Welcome to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 2, with your host, Ken Finesse Media, and co-host, Treat a Millionaire. As the hosts gather their show notes and stage the studio for their next guest, sit back, sit back, turn up your volume, and get ready for something brand new. What's up, what's up, what's up? You already know who it is. It's your girl, Teresa Millionaire. Yeah, man. And welcome back again to Finesse Media Podcast um, Season 2. If you just tuned in and this never been an episode, Facebook, Finesse Media, LLC. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you check us out there, underscore Finesse Media. And if you're on Twitter, I think everybody's there now, at Finesse Media, man. So make sure you check us out, Finesse Media, on all platforms. And once again, you're tuned in to Finesse Media, where we highlight some of the best people, some of the things that you, people that you probably don't know, but we're going to bring, or this platform, bringing you that person. So in Finesse Media World, we bring on people who are finessing the game. And Treats, man, this episode is no different um, than the previous episodes, we got our good friend, our brother, our UAPB alumni, Mr. Darnell Walker, joining us on this episode of Trees. Man, I'm happy as a motherfucker to interview my dude tonight, oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super happy to have Darnell on. You know, we go way back. Me and Darnell both went to a UAPB. We both were in the trumpet section, sat next, next to each other in the stands in the band. And uh, used to clown and get it in. <laughs> so super happy to have him. Super happy man, to have him. Now. I know we said something about Virgos before, man, but I got to give love, man. One of my Virgo brothers, Virgo, who's doing this thing, man. So without stealing a lot of his thunder, man, we're definitely going to bring him on in a couple of seconds on this episode on Finesse Media. And once again on Finesse Media, not only is this platform designed to bring and to highlight people who are performing at the highest level of their craft and again finessing the game but we also spotlight hbcus each and every week so again if you are a member alumni a current student of a hbcu make sure you hit us up drop us a line finesse media podcast at gmail.com that's where you can submit your hbcu request we will shout out your hbcu and we'll also want you to come on to represent your hbcu man so each and every week, HBCUs are spotlighted because they're super important, man. So, Finesse Media Podcast, we're doing the damn thing each and every week, man. Trish, your makeup is off the chain. They need to see, the, see this in the studio, man. I wish we could see it. You may Don't gas me up. Don't gas yeah. me up. I did I did post it on Facebook so uh, oh. everybody could see. I said, we can't keep having all these famous makeup artists on the show. And my makeup's not slayed not once. I just can't keep doing that. I, it made me feel some kind of way. Like, you know what? You got to go and beat that face down because I can't keep. They probably look over and see like, damn, her shit fucked up. 
No, I don't think so, man. Trees. I mean, the illustration. You know, our, our you know our cover art photos, man. The hairlining is sharp today as well. So not only is the makeup Ooh. busting, my girl. Listen, man, y'all know this. We talked about it on the episode. I think it was the first episode. Teresa and I have known each other for one, two, three, four, five, seventeen years since 2003. Man. But when I met Teresa, her hair was even rawer. She had the long dripping dreads. Well, nope, nope. It was like buzz. Teresa like growing her shit. But growing my shit, yeah, it grew. Yeah, you were growing yourself yeah. when I met you in spring of '03, man. But it has it grew into such a long uh, piece of uh, uh of design and creation where you used to kind of make it and and do it your own way. So your hair yeah, came yeah. always been fly, sis. I try to keep it, you know. This um, I had locks for so long. It's crazy. I was just telling somebody, so I had locks for like 17 years. So during that time, I forgot what even grade and what type of hair I had. So like after I had got my hair cut and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear a mohawk. It's like, oh, I got curly hair. Like I can just throw some shit in and curl it if I want. I had forgot <laughs> what type of grade of hair I had. It had been so long. But right now I'm just like, oh, I wear okay. a kind of afro look and I'm liking this. Sometimes I throw some shit in it, make it curly, but it's cool. I be annoyed though, cause I'm used to you know getting up and going with the locks and with short yeah, hair. Ooh wee. Mm, mm, mm. Because your barber needs to get this credit because as well he's absolutely will be on the show on this podcast as well. The man is finessing the game. I think he's doing a little bit more than than barbering as, as we talk behind the scenes. But his haircut game yeah. is off the chain, man. So shout your barber out there in KC. He is. So if you are here in whether you're on the Kansas side, the Missouri side, you need to go see Casey Murph. You can follow him on at. Casey Murph, okay? Now, what you want to do is you can book him if you would like on an app called You don't even have to call him. You could just go and book him through the app and set an appointment. He's located Style Seat. So S-T-Y-L-E S-E-A-T and it's a booking app. So you could download in your app store, whichever one it is, download Style Seat and look up Casey, spelled C-A-S-I-E, last name Murph, M-U-R-F-F, and you could book him. And he's located at Drake's Barbershop, which is 106 West 39th Street, Kansas City, Missouri, 64111. So Drake's Barbershop. Spelled D-R-A-Q-U-E-S, Barbershop, 106 West 39th Street, Kansas City, Missouri, 64111. And if you go see him, tell him Treat the Millionaire sent you. And he's going to make sure he gives you that royal treatment, most definitely. That's what's up. And again, that's what we do on Finesse Media, man. We spotlight people who are highlighting um, or who I'm sorry, not highlighting, but we highlighting folks who are performing at the highest level of their craft. Uh, I always talk about a book, Seven Habits of the uh, Highly Affected People. 
these are the kind of people that you will listen to and have on this show, man. So we putting folks on, man. And with that segue, I want you to know we're going to bring into a clip from Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker, real quick about putting folks on. And then we're going to bring our guests uh, of this episode uh, next when we come back with Darnell Walker, man. Here's the clip. We'll be back. money to get you on. I blessed you. I gave you stuff for free that the other, whatever, they would never do that for you. These people that you're willing to spend five grand with who ain't never done nothing for you. You went out and made money. Don't act like you ever brought me five dollars back. You ain't brought me five. I help you get on. You wouldn't be on for me in the first place. You got six, seven gigs. You eat at my table and you eat good. But when you go to your table, you don't bring me nothing back from your table. You ain't never brought me no money. You ain't never done nothing for my wife and my kids. Ever. So you tripping on, oh, he ain't do this, he, and you want me to do something for you that ain't even going to be healthy for you. You so young and dumb, you you taking shortcuts. I'm trying to get you to do it the right way, and you know what you do? You go to somebody that don't care for you, and they tell you exactly what you want to hear, when you want to hear, and they take your money. Thank you for listening to Finesse Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Latrice Murray Views. Quality photography that won't break the bank. Contact Latrice Murray Views Photography today at lmviewsphoto at gmail.com to book your photo shoot today. And we're back for Nest Media Podcast Season 2. And Therese, man, it is time to bring on, I guess, my Virgo brother, one of the people who I know that can probably do anything. Yeah. I think this person can do any and everything that he put his mind and he put his ability to do it. Uh, from the band we talked about, from I'll hold this as being a pilot, and we'll deep in, dive into that, man. But this brother, man, make some noise, Finesse Media, or joining the Finesse Media Podcast Season 2. My brother, Darnell Walker, bro, what's good? Man, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? What up? Y'all got so, so professional here. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm so coming into to, to something big, big, big boy stuff around here. <laughs> I'm going to do that. That's what it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Man, welcome to the show. We glad to have you, Darnell. So glad. Appreciate you taking some time out of that oh-so-busy schedule. We know yeah. you have to yeah. sit with us. So for, I definitely appreciate it. Definitely. So for everybody, because we know you, but there's listeners from all around that have no idea who Darnell Walker is and why we would have him on the show. So tell us who you are. Tell us about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Darnell, just like y'all said. I thank y'all for that uh, lovely introduction. I'm a native of Memphis, Tennessee, um, graduate of the University of Arkansas Prime Bluff, how I got very familiarized with both of you two and so many other of my UAPB family. Thank y'all for that. Thank y'all for having me. Shouts out to all my Golden Lion Nation. Um, and I'm actually uh, a pilot for Mesa Airlines, and we actually fly for, I'm flying for United Airlines right now. So if you ever book your ticket on United and you're coming through Houston, which I'm currently based you might want to look up front and see if I'm up there. I might just be. <laughs> hey, hey. So, for everybody that didn't catch that, and I hope you did, Darnell is a pl- a pilot. Not only a pilot, he's an African-American pilot. So, shout out 
include that. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I think it's a perfect time. Y'all got me right around here during uh, Black History Month. I'm just realizing, hey, I'm a part of Black History, too. Absolutely. Right. Yes, you are. Right. Yes, you are. Absolutely. So, That's right. <laughs> so tell me, what made you want to be a pilot? Like, was it something that you grew up saying, you know, one day I'm going to fly planes? Like, how did you get into it? Because... I'm going to be honest with you. When we were in college, never knew that was your interest. So when I found out you were going to school for it, I was like, what? That's what's up. So yeah, like, I was shocked. I was like, I thought absolutely. maybe it was like a filter or some shit. I'd say he doing some filtering stuff. Or you know how you can do assimilations and things. And he's <laughs> on the plane. I'm like, because I never knew that about Darnell either. So. That is. Yeah, That's he, a very good question. He hit everybody I really would like with to the know. Jug. Yeah, he hit everybody <laughs> with the jug. And when I seen him in his in his pilot uniform, I said, "Watch out there now." So how did you? Was that always a dream? Tell us about it. It was always something that was on my mind when I was in high school, and you know, I knew I was going to college. So I always knew I needed to go to summer band camp and. Um, I always had to work during the summer. I've been working since I was like 14 years old. Um, Forged my birth certificate and got some stuff done. Was at McDonald's at my first job. And I was raising money to make sure I can get to the band. And when I was younger, in junior high school, they would always tell you, hey, if you stick to this band thing, you'll be able to get you a college scholarship. So I knew that was my number one goal. But one year, I got a side wrench thrown at me. And I got a letter in the mail that said, hey, you're accepted to this aviation program. But I was like, oh, I always said my goal was to go to college. I need to be in the band. I need to make sure I go to summer band camp. So I can't go to this aviation program. So after graduating, that's always been on my head. I was like, man, an aviation program. Somebody planted a seed, and it was just a random letter that came in the mail when I was in uh, 11th grade. So it was in the back of my head, and once I graduated and finished school, I'd always said, you know, this is something I want to do one day, maybe one day soon I'll get the chance to do it. And like I say, right after I graduated, I started working for a few years, and I said, hey, I'm sick of retail. What about trying to go back and be a pilot? So I looked at that letter. I was going through old mail, and it popped up to me again, and I was like, hey, let me go do a discovery flight. When I did that discovery Mm -hmm. flight, I was like, (laughs) huh. This is the best thing going. This is the most thrilling ride I'd I'd ever been on in my life. So that's what kind of got me kicked off. You know, it was a seed that was planted that was just sitting growing and I guess being nurtured throughout the time. And, hey, it ended up working out, um, took out some loans and got it done. And now I am where I am, and I'm blessed about it and grateful. So before before getting into it, Darnell, did you reach out to other pilots uh, you know, before entering the industry, did you reach out to pilots and, and try to get a feel for the industry, or you just knew right away, like, this is something that I want to do? Um, I always knew. Like I said, when I got that letter in the mail, I always said I wanted a job where I can travel. That's been the number one goal for me. Um, I wanted to be a band director for a little minute. Then I started teaching for a few years. I'm like, ooh, the kids are just different. You know, it's a different time now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You're yeah, in the yeah. classroom, kids telling you things that you ain't used to hearing. You know, you have to fight for your job. And especially being a fine arts teacher, it just made me feel like I would be more valuable if I went another route. So um, it gave me an opportunity. And, you know, I was like, hey, I can still travel, but I don't have to worry about traveling with, you know, 150 different kids trying to make sure rooms are booked. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the booking agent. All I'm doing is just traveling. So that made that dream even more realistic for me. Absolutely. 
and in this now for career field, you've been you've been a pilot. Tell the people we we we've already set that tone. But how long have you been flying flying planes uh, so far? Wow, I've been flying. I started right when I got through teaching, so it's been about six and a half years now. Six years, and I've been and working so, for I used to for about um four years. United Express, yes, sir. Tenure. He has some tenure in that Ooh, time. Ooh, I guess so. <laughs> I'm getting old, y'all. <laughs> and let you know, yeah. time don't wait on nobody. If you got a dream, you better go out here and chase it because it's that dream ain't gonna chase you. <laughs> That, there you right. go. That's... There you go. Say that. Say that. And it's it's you know even when you say about a dream, some things are just aligned with your destiny. The fact that yes. you could be going through old mail, and that letter pop up again, and you say, you know what, I'm yep. gonna call. And that letter Sorry. had to be. How old was that letter? Years, years. Oh my gosh, years, yes. And like I mm-hmm. said, you know, you just go through certain things and some, some information you don't want to let go. And I don't want to call myself a hoarder because I'm far from it. But I just <laughs> put that letter to the side because it just wasn't my time to look at it. And like I said, when I got a chance to go back through it and I'm like, hey, there we go. That was that opportunity. You know, I'm, I don't want to go to the classroom right now. I don't want to deal with this no more. So like I said, I applied for a loan. They called me. I turned my stuff in on the last day. I started calling a lot of my UAPB family. I'm like, hey, I'm getting ready to take a journey. I'm going to need you to pay my cell phone bill. I'm going to need some of y'all to do this. <laughs> my car insurance is going to need to be paid. And like I say, I stopped teaching in May. I went to school probably the very next day because I knew as a teacher I had my paycheck all the way up until August. So I was mm-hmm. only for a few months. And mm-hmm. like I say, from August to December because it was a six-month accelerated program, I needed my friends, and I was calling people. Some They asked me, hey, you ate today? You know, hey, I ain't talked to you. What's going on? Did you pay your phone bill? What you need me to do? You know, whatever it is, you need some gas money? What do you need? So, you know, it's been a blessing to have my family that was there to support me, and that's why I told people. These same people was the first people I called when I got through. Hey, you want some flights? I got you. Because <laughs> they made sure I was okay when I didn't know how I was going to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's the importance of having good people in your circle. Yeah. That is that's very important because if you hadn't surrounded yourself with people of that caliber, then what was a difficult transition would have been way more difficult. Yes, yes, way yes. More yes. Yeah. I'm and Darnell and Darnett, I wanted to ask a question, really kind of piggyback right into that. You really segue into it really well. But I wanted to know, as an alumni from, uh, you know, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, a proud HBCU, I, or prestigious HBCU, how did that, the HBCU experience at UAPB, prepared you to be a pilot in the industry? Well, I would presume we're the minority. So did any of your preparation and your time at UAPB assisted and maybe, I guess, played a part in your career today? How does that, you know, kind of correlate, if it, if any? Well, you know what? One thing about the pilot industry right now, um, you can be a pilot coming right out of uh, high school. You know, you can get up. If you can afford it, you can go. So the best thing UAPB did for me, well, the best thing a lot of my colleagues did for me, they told me, hey, you ain't got your refund check. I always used to hear that, refund check? How am I getting a refund check? I had my stuff paid for. That last <laughs> couple of years, I was down there partying and enjoying myself, and I said, let me go and give me a refund check. I took mm-hmm. out that refund check, 
And that was the only way I was able to build credit by paying those loans off. And those loans allowed me to get additional money so I can go to flight school. So that's, that's how UAPB helped me to get where I am. And if it wasn't for all those people running around here flashing around, spending their money at all these doggone pageants and auctions and everything else that was going around. So I kind of got into it, got me a little extra money. And like I said, if it wasn't for that, I don't think it would have it would have worked out. The time Amazing. Was I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, with the UAPB and, and HBCU experiences, you know, they tend to play a, a greater role and, uh, you know, in, in many industries. I mean, we shout out HBCUs every week. And when we talk about in the spotlight, some of these HBCUs, they have some of the highest, you know, legal counsels or criminal justice uh, degree holders that come from that school. And it's just a prestige on a, and just a really good, you know, uh, insight when you hear from people that went to and attended uh, an HBCU and how that kind of impacts their life. But Darnell, I know also at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, we know this, but there's a lot of listeners who do not know. You're also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Tell us about that experience yes. and what was that like? And our Well, it was a good experience because just like we say, even leading up to this um, opportunity that I got, before I tried to go to flight school, I started talking to a lot of my older brothers who played in the 60s, and they were very helpful for me, um, you know, like I say, it was a financial struggle from time to time. Um, I even talked to a few of them, and I was like, yeah, you know, I want to be a pilot. Dude, I was talking to them about this before I even graduated, and they actually introduced me into um, one of our first fraternity brothers down in Pine Bluff. He does a big air show in Pine Bluff. I think it's Labor Day weekend uh, okay. or Memorial Day, one of the two, and, you know, I got a chance to go talk to him. We hung out in, in his hangar, got a chance to see what his airplane was like, got a chance to sit in it. He didn't take me out. But, you know, it was a good opportunity. You know, um, good thing about being in a fraternity, it's a lifelong friendship. It's a lifelong bond. You turn you know, on the news and you're about to see. never even heard of. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was an amazing opportunity. I thank God for my Alpha Phi Alpha brothers. Uh, and like I say, and it's a good thing because now even when I'm in different cities, I can easily pick up the phone and call one of them and be like, hey, what you doing? Just like I say, I'm in Charlotte right now and, Called one of my frat brothers and was like, what you doing? He told me where he was at, made sure I was taken care of. And, you know, you, you can't go wrong without joining the organization. Do something, no, that's, you know. That's real. Absolutely. I mean, and the cool thing, the cool thing about this one is about what you said, you don't even have to be a member of said organization. I mean, the one thing that's unique about the Divine Nine, we talk a lot about, again, HBCUs, but the real fact and fabric of the HBCU, I think, you the divine nine organizations having said that i was in new orleans right and i say man i'm having a good time darnell where are you i don't even believe darnell was in the state of louisiana much less in new orleans his brother hop flight (laughs) heard me in new orleans hop flight about two years ago right darnell right right about two years ago hop flight y'all and got a got a spot down there and literally invited my family, my wife and my kid over to where he was staying. I mean, it was a really good, you know, situation. It was like a so right down there. He known these things from yeah. college. And it was a good yes, experience. But yes. the brother opened up I mean, hospitality in another state quickly jumped on the plane, man, and we captured the moment, you know, on the, on the camera real quick. But you don't have to be a part of Alpha Phi Alpha if you, you know, if you're a member of that to take care of another brother, man. And that, that's just right. one scenario, man. Um, this or to segue on you, KB, you don't have to be a brother; you could be a sister. 
I got a story about Darnell as well. So for those of you who don't know, I travel all over doing medical training for physicians, etc. I hit Darnell up. I'm like, I got an assignment in Memphis, okay? I'm working at a hospital in Memphis, working in the um, OR. Now, when I'm working OR, you know, now I pack me a little go bag where I'll have a couple outfits if I want to go out. But usually if I'm working OR, shit, I'm wearing scrubs. I'm not taking no clothes. I'm going to pack, you know, underwear, toiletries, comfortable shoes, and I go on to the hospital. That's all you need because you have to scrub in. So all I literally had was, like, a champion uh, sweatsuit outfit, like champion sweatpants, champion T-shirt, and some champion uh, tennis shoes. Darnell, like, we going out. Now, let me tell you, where we went was, like, upscale. I should have never been able to get in there. <laughs> okay. They literally had it roped off with a red carpet and bouncers, and people were in there dressed to kill. Me and my coworker went. Darnell got us in. Not only did we get in, they made us a VIP right on the stage with the band, mm. and we kicked it. Amazing times, man. We kicked it. My coworker says all the time, "Have you talked to your friend that's a pilot?" <laughs> 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 she had such a good time. She's like, "Man, he was fun." I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's the homie. We all with That's we the energy, man, he brings. Even yeah. in the hostel, man, everybody was in the hostel. Every every motherfucker in the hostel was like, hey, that's the pilot. That's the pilot. That's the pilot. Darnell, like, yo, 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 chill. Don't be saying that too loud. Please. Even taking care of folks he had never met. There was a lady yeah. down there from Amsterdam. There was a chick from Detroit. I remember this, and I'm just like, dude, oh, taking yeah. care we of folks. Boston, man. So, Darnell... I, that's really cool. We we as hosts got stories, so I know it's a lot of people yeah. out there that got these Darnell memories, man. That you know man, that really kind of y'all know to hit me up. I, I definitely oh, appreciate. Yeah. It. You know, that's one thing I, I I like to do. I like to give my heart to people that I fool with, whether I fool with you or not. You're gonna still get a chance to see my heart. You know, and like Absolutely. I said, I just like to love on people. That's the only thing we can do. You know, that's, that's the only thing that's true that we got. Yes. So let me ask you this. When you started flying, everybody has that one place that you flew to that you was like, hell yeah, I can't wait. What was your hell yeah? Wow. If I had to say a hell yeah, I would probably say my first time going to Mexico. Um, it was a hell yeah moment, and it was also like uh, what to expect because I'd never been to Mexico. You know, you hear about the cartel down there in Mexico, and you like, um, what is this experience going to be? You know, uh, you really don't have a, a real notion. And once you start flying down there and you're looking at all these beautiful mountains, um, I think somebody we even might even flown over towards a volcano once or twice, and it is so beautiful. Oh, wow. You know, I tell people it's the most beautiful view i have the beautiful the most beautiful this beautiful this if that even is a word uh office view you know you can sit up here and you can look at some stuff and just be like wow how am i even looking at this and when you try to take a picture with your phone it does no justice and i'm mm. like uh, some of the shots with the moon and all of that so like i say you know you're getting off and you're dealing with customs and you're going through here and you know uh, in mexico being a pilot is more prestigious than it is in the u.s you know, they look mm. at you and like, what can I get you? You know, what can I do for you? You know, people are so much more hospitable 
uh, down there. You know, wow. you don't have to go to Cancun. Um, just don't matter what part you go to. They know you're not from here. They're going to reach out a hand. They will help you. Or they'll try to figure out your language. You know, if someone from Mexico came up here, I'm looking like, I can't help you. You know, but them people down there, it's a whole new world. You know, it's like, wow. what can I do? You know, what can I get you? Do I need to take you anywhere? You know, what is it? And they're trying to figure out their patience. You know, it's just a whole new world. So I will say that first wow factor for me was Mexico, even though now I hate going down there. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what is another place that you flew to that now will flown to that now you're like, oh, just always has been, oh, I hate flying there. What's a flight you well, despise? The place that I despise most is probably Mexico. And like I say, uh, in the pilot industry, <laughs> it, it's crazy. I, I, I say Mexico this for one got a reason, chance. one reason only. And the reason being, when I first started going there, I never took anything. So um, I started smoking meat. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking my own lunch. I'm going to pack this. I'm going to do this. Right, I'm no, no, do that. glad you said meat because I definitely thought you was going to say smoking weed. I'm like, what fuck? I thought you he said weed, too. <laughs> no. I thought he said weed, too. I was like, what the fuck? No, no. I looked at KB and I gave him the big eyes like, we going to delete this one and tell him we going to call it back and record it. We're going to have to edit that. We're going to have to edit that. But no, it's meat. Meat. I was smoking M E A T. I took. I had like turkey, bake. I had turkey. I smoked. I had bacon. I smoked chicken. I was smoking everything. And this was day one of my four day trip. We went down there for an overnight, and those people didn't understand nothing I'm saying. So when you get through and you go through customs, they open your bags and they look and do everything. And they open this bag up with all my meats on day one. I hadn't eaten anything. I was just knowing I was gonna eat good. And they just start taking my stuff and throwing it away. I'm like, no, no, Ooh. what are you doing? No, like what? I, I just spent, you know, 14, 15 hours smoking all this stuff. And she didn't speak English. She just looked at me and say, you know, shrug her shoulders like, uh-huh. you know, just start taking everything. So I I planned to eat this stuff for four days and they just took it out. And I'm telling you, all I had a little piece of it. It was the best food I had cooked for a minute. So that's why I say I will say I hate Mexico for that. And then trying to come back through customs, you know, you get behind some of these Qatar airlines and they can have, you know, 500 passengers on the plane. And now I got to get in the line behind 150 people to try to come through, you know, so it can be a bit hectic from time to time. So, you know, and like that's I, said, what I was going to ask you, I know, I know flying around, I was going to ask you, it can be difficult. But in the industry, in your career, what has been like some of the things that you had to, I guess, get over or kind of adapt to? What are some changes uh, that was hard to make when entering this industry or career field? Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't say anything was hard. Um, I guess I've become, this is probably the most lax job I've had. Uh, you know, it's about studying and making sure that you're learning, making sure that you're always open to new ideas and, you know, understanding the industry. You have to read a lot. You have to find the information. You know, in most jobs, they'll send you emails and stuff is there. They'll send us stuff, you know, that the company wants us to know. But, you know, if you right. want to get out here and you want to know what type of uh, conferences are going on, you got to go out here and find that stuff yourself because in this industry, um, it's a lot of information that's out there that's available to us. You know, just like I say, I say I want to be a pilot, but anybody can say they want to be a pilot. When I started researching it, I found out, hey, it's a pilot shortage that's getting ready to pop up. You know, uh, American, all these – 
all these companies have to hire a lot of pilots because they have to retire at the age of 65. So now is mm. a good time. I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go out there and find that wow. myself. You know, oh, so they it, make you retire at 65. You must retire. At first, it was 60, and I think it might have been 50 some before then. But they hired a lot of baby boomers all at one time. So all of the mainline pilots that they have right now are most of them are, and they hired them at the same time. And at 65, mm. they got to come out there. So it's opening wow. up doors and opportunities right now, and you know, creating a lot of a lot of exposure. You know, a lot of the pilot uh, United actually just got ready to say that they're getting ready to open their own flight school because they want to make sure that they have pilots. So it's mm-hmm. a big deal right now. Lots of That's opportunities. Dope. And so what would you say, Darnell, to someone that wants to be in the industry, you know, flying planes? What would you tell that person? How would you motivate that person to kind of do it? Particularly, you know, someone, you know, particularly African-American. You know what I mean? Because we're not in that. We're not exposed. I haven't been exposed to it. So what would you say to someone that wants to do it? Well, the first thing I would say, they always talk about the organization. It's called OBAP. Uh, it's a national organization for black aviators. Um, if you were interested in doing that, that's a good way to go. Um, it's so many different ways because financing is the, the main thing. And, you know, you're talking about something that costs you about $80,000, you know, eighty dollars or $90,000. But it's so many different ways to do it. When you're in high school, if you got kids that are interested in being pilots, Figure out about these OBAT programs, these different scholarships. How can they get in and get their private license before they get 18? You know, if you can get some of these ratings that are required, then, you know, it'll make the financial situation a lot more bearable. You know, you can mm-hmm. find scholarships. I found a few people that was, you know, you're trying to get a type rating, let's say, on a Boeing 777. You're looking at spending, you know, average probably about $60,000 just for that. You know, most of these companies pay for it, but I have friends or colleagues who's been in the industry and they got these things at an early age. You know, they got exposure to some of this stuff Mm -hmm. and it makes you more desirable towards the major airlines if you were actually interested in seeking a position, you know. So it's all about what you know. How soon do you start? We got to start learning to play, you know, we got to start learning to play chess and stop playing checkers. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. that's right. And so what's next? I mean, you flying planes. I mean, are you going to 65 or do you see this as being something where you go, okay, I'll do it for a few more years and I'm going to change fields? Well, you know, one thing about me, you can take it day for day. Right now, it's, it has been the best job that I've had. You know, and at times I always think about it. What would it be like to go back and to be a band director? You know, what would it be like to go back and step foot in the classroom? You know, that was something I always dreamed of, but at the same time, just like I tell you, it's so pleasant right now. You know, to say that I'm doing this and I'm going to work every day and you never know what's going to happen. You know, I only work maybe about 14, 14, 15 days a month. You know, we're only allowed to work 100 hours a month when everybody else is going to work, what, 40 hour a week? So, well, you know, and yeah. I'm just when I say 100 hours, that ain't normally what I'm working. I might be doing 70 hours a month, you know. So um, it gives you a lot of free time. And like I say, I'm sitting in Charlotte right now, CIAA weekend. I found out about it. I said, let me be at my trip so I can make sure I'm in Charlotte for CIAA because it's something I always want to do. So like I said, when I get done with y'all, I'm going to get up and go hit the streets of Charlotte and enjoy myself and see what CIAA talking about. And I'm riding the bus 16. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> see a little bit more. That's what's up, man. Well, Darnell, man, listen, brother. 
you always welcome to come on this platform, man, and let us know what you got going on, man. Let the people know how they can keep up with you, be inspired by what you're doing, man. Man, y'all can easily find me on Instagram, or you can look me up, Darnell Walker. I should be on there if y'all, if they friends with either of y'all, mutual friends, I'm in there. Uh, sometimes I post a few things about my journey. You can find me on uh, Instagram at MemphisTN10. So those are my two major platforms. Yeah, if y'all know anybody that um, is interested in the industry, you got questions or anything like that, any of my alumni want to you in the city, look me up. I mean, I'm just a phone call away. (laughs) Nice. That's what's up, man. Darnell Walker, brother, man. Thank you so much for coming on the episode of Finesse Media Podcast. You are one of the finesses to the show, man. We thank you, brother. Thank you so So much. much. Stick around, man, because this this episode is not over. So if you want to, you know, kick back, man, and listen to what we got going on as we continue on this episode, man, please do so, man. But thank you so much, brother, and I wish you nothing but the best, bro. Man, and the same to y'all. I wish y'all the best, and congratulations. I love this. Y'all doing an amazing job. Like I said, uh, appreciate it. That's what's up, man. Y'all check him out, man. Darnell Walker, man, doing this motherfucking thing. Shout out to the Alpha Phi Alpha, the bloody Gamma Delta chapter at the University of oh, Arkansas at Pine oh, Bluff, man. Treese. <laughs> I heard him get his 0606. I hit it for you to the 119. Oh, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for the HBCU. I think that's a good segue, man. Darnell, stick around, man. Don't go nowhere, man. It's time for the HBCU. I ain't. I'm right here. Week. Each and every week, we shout out HBCUs on Finesse Media Podcast. Once again, if you want your HBCU spotlighted, hit us up, finessemediapodcast at gmail.com. We also want you to come on to talk about your HBCU. So we don't want to just talk about it. We want you to come on and brag about it, man. Trees, HBCU News. Other week coming up. Here we go. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principle was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. Man, that music is so, so swaggy. Oh, funky. So funky, you hear me? So the HBCU of the Week is Alcorn State University. Alcorn State University also known as ASU, is a public historically black land-grant university in rural, unincorporated Claiborne County, Mississippi. It was founded in 1871 by the Reconstruction-era legislator to provide higher education for free men. It is the first black land-grant college established in the United States. Its main campus is approximately 80 miles southwest of Jackson, Mississippi. One of Alcorn's most notable alumni, Medgar Evers, yes, Medgar Evers, a civil rights activist, graduated in 1952. Students at the college were part of the mid-20th century civil rights movement, working to register residents for voting and to end racial inequality. 
Other alumni have been activists, politicians, and professionals in Mississippi and other states. The university is a member of the School of the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, Alcorn State's athletics teams known as the Braves, and compete in the NCAA's Division I. All teams compete as members of the Southwest Athletic Conference, also known as the SWAC. This week's HBCU, Alcorn State University. Yeah. And I love this. Shout out to the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SWAC, the only real the conference SWAC. man tree. <laughs> the only one that matters. You hear me? The only one that matters, man. That only but what one really that matters. matters and what what matters most, I should say, Teresa, is this was a fantastic episode, man. Shout out to Darnell Walker, man, Teresa. Amazing. Off the chain. Shout yes, out to the brothers of yes. Alpha Phi Alpha. Man, a good brother, man. So make sure you check him out, cold man. Brothers. Right. <laughs> cold brothers, man. Teresa, I think this episode was good and great, man. Uh, if you're following us, if you're not, make sure you hit that follow button or subscribe button. If you're checking us out right now on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play Music, we're everywhere, Blog Talk Radio. So wherever you're listening to us at, make sure you're clicking that subscribe and follow button click, so that click, you'll click, be notified. Click, 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 click. When new episodes release. Treese, I'm out of here, baby. I love you so much. I'll see everybody next week into the next episode. Treese, man, let people know how they can follow you, girl. You already know you can find me at Teresa Millionaire on Instagram. That's at T-R-I-C-E-A Millionaire. And if you want to follow me and see some of my beautiful photography and all the places that I'm going, the pretty places I'm shooting and the beautiful people that I'm taking photographs of, you can follow me on Facebook or on Instagram at Latrice Murray Views. That's at L-A-T-R-I-C-E-M-U-R-R. A-Y-V-I-E-W-S, Latrice Murray Views. Looking forward to seeing you on my page. Thank you for listening to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. Make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are released. Also, make sure that you are following us on all of our social media pages. Instagram, we are at Finesse Media. Twitter, check us out at underscore Finesse Media. And on Facebook, Finesse Media LLC. See you next week with something brand new.